0: Welcome to the Habits and Hustle Podcast, a podcast that uncovers the rituals, unspoken habits, and mindsets of extraordinary people. A podcast powered by Habit Nest. Now, here's your
1: host, Jennifer Cohen. First of all, I love today's guest on Habits and Hustle. We have Heidi Powell and Hi is a fitness. I think I, I call you a fitness guru because oh, you're so you, nice. you are a poster child for fitness. Okay, <laughs> beyond. All right. So she was um, when well, you were on Extreme Weight Loss, a yes. show on ABC, right? Yes, okay. I was. I was on.
2: Uh, so it was five seasons. I was on season three, four, and five
1: with her husband, yes. Chris Powell, yes. who was adorable. Also, you guys are like the, <laughs> honestly the prettiest couple, the you're cutest so nice. couple. <laughs> I cannot be the first person to ever tell you this. Oh, like you guys look like a we perfect just, American pie oh, couple. Thank you.
2: And then you see our kids and they literally and, are like little clones. And like,
1: then they're clones of you too. They're, yeah. They're the cutest. And you have three kids. Four. Four yeah, kids? Four. So I have two for my first marriage, two with Chris. Okay. First marriage. I didn't even know you were married before. Yes. I, I assumed it was with Chris. Uh,
2: <laughs> no, no. Chris and I have only been together for 11 years. And then I was married for five years prior to that. So I have a 15-year-old, a 13-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 6-year-old.
1: Oh, wow. I know. I all did, over the place. I just found out something new about you right there. <laughs> wow. Okay. There you go. So you now you basically have like the Brady Bunch, kind of. Yes. Did he have, well, did he have kids He before? didn't
2: have kids, just mine and ours. And was he married before, he Never you? married before.
1: Okay. No. So,
2: first for he's him. very vision-focused. Like, for him what he's doing and the impact he wants to make that, that has been his marriage until he met me.
1: Until he met you, you changed it all. I did. I mean, okay, let's just talk about, I mean, we've actually had like a three hour conversation even before we even started the podcast. So I gotta like just get into my brain. Okay, what did we not just talk about? What can I bring into the podcast? Okay. Let's talk about this. So your fitness, let's talk about your fitness journey. So okay. like I said, she was on extreme weight loss. Uh, if you follow her, she's a very, she were a very well-known fitness influencer just Thank because you. you walk the walk, you talk the talk Thank and you. like you've been, you do so many things in the space. Thank you. I appreciate that. I love it. Well, it's, it's true, right? Yeah. Like how, what was your, how did you start your journey with fitness? Um, well, I was
2: I was raised in a very fit family. So fitness was something that I was just born around. So it was never foreign to me. Um, I was a cheerleader. I was a gymnast. I was everything under the oh. sun. Actually struggled with an eating disorder as a result of that, which we can talk about another, oh, I'm you know, sure. Whatever.
1: I mean, a lot of people who are, come, yeah. come from a gymnast background have a lot of struggles with that. Yeah. Right? Well, and I, my
2: mom and dad, my dad was like a six foot one version of Chris, just muscly and big and strong. And my mom little Muscle Barbie, like the cutest little thing. Like so, well, no, That's Barbie. That's what you're <laughs> my, looking... my mom's like my bar. Oh, I don't She's know. She's like, I don't know. She's great. Um, so yeah, an eating disorder stem from that. And then for me, I actually got out of the fitness world for the, I, I trained right out of high school, got out of the fitness world and I did home loans and mortgages because business is at, so... I'm equally as passionate about the business side as I am the training side, and I right. always. Ha- and that's how Chris and I met. I was actually helping him with business, he was doing the training thing, and it all just became intertwined. And I would do the back end, and then I and I also have more of like an emotional, behavioral background because of addiction that my family went through. And Chris is very science-y. so we became super complementary right. of each other when. We started working together and then we created the show and I was recertified as a trainer and I would help behind the scenes as he did everything on camera. And I mean, you're here in LA, so you know, filming a show is like no easy task. Mm -mm. Like it's like the filming alone is a full-time job. And so Chris was literally going from person to person to person to person. And then he'd have to do Good Morning America. He'd have to do all the press associated with it. And do eight real transformations at a time. Was you alone in?
1: doing it? Because I, by the way, I don't know if you know, yeah. was, I had a weight loss show for one season. No way. Yes. What was it? It was like, it was a, it was called a shedding for the wedding. I'm sure nobody's heard of it, but. No, I actually
2: have. Oh, you have? Because Matt Auspice was our producer and I don't know if he did it with you, but, um, he, we did, we had extreme weight loss. Yeah. And then we had extreme weight loss. Love can't wait. So we helped couples oh, get out. get. Into, we only did it with three couples. Get ready for their wedding. Yeah, and thing. that was
1: the theme that, was that the we theme. followed. That is hilarious. Yes. So me and this other trainer named Nikki Hollander were the trainers on that show. Okay. it was by the same creator as The Biggest Loser. Same
2: with ours. <laughs> really, Dave? No. So uh, Biggest Loser was two companies. Yes, it was two. Three co- Mantle,
1: right? right? And three ball. And three ball. Right. We were three ball. Oh, okay. So this is Dave Broom, who was with Fremantle. uh, He was with not even Fremantle. He was the one who sold the idea to. Um, NBC. Okay. And he was okay. independent. I think he has his own company called 257. Okay. 257. Yeah. That's so funny. It's so funny. So funny. Oh they all gosh. are just trying to keep up with each other. hundred percent. Because yeah. at, this is now going back, what, like, this? it was 10 years ago, let's say. Eight, okay. That was yours? No, no, no. I'm trying to, mine was like, I would say about 10 years ago.
2: Our Love Can't Wait was ago. our final season. So it was 2014 to 15 is when we did Love
1: Can't Wait. And I think that okay. show had been on prior okay so maybe right? yeah well, I, I don't remember i don't know okay. the time frame exactly but i will say this that first of all being on a show i, I can't imagine as for chris yeah. just having the, being the sole trainer i know of just having me and, and nikki it's it's, a, hard. it's hard and when we had other trainers behind the scenes who were helping train when we weren't yes. able to do it i'm sure you guys did, did, did that too. too so
2: and because our clients were all over the u.s we had to have somebody in every city for that person's daily accountability. But still, like, we were the head trainer. So Chris was filming. Yeah. And I became kind of the one that would pick up the pieces and create the structure. And the problem children or the ones that were struggling yeah. would actually come stay with us in Arizona with me and my kids. And so then we they started doing. They were allowed to do that? No, we didn't tell anyone. Oh, wow. Now everybody knows. And so- they, they knew the production company. Yeah. I don't know if I'm allowed to say oh, it, but they all knew. Uh,
1: yeah. We
2: ended up doing an Arizona house. So like they actually had a, a company rented house that they would keep like four to 10 people in it at any given time. Cause we got to the point where our show had 16 participants per year. And so they would keep them in Arizona. I would train them and we'd send them home as they were good. Then we'd bring people that were struggling in, keep them for a couple months or a week or however long they needed, send them home. The production company oh. then started telling ABC what was going on and they kind of were like, hey, it's a whole family thing. It's Chris, it's his wife, it's his kids. And they started kind of slowly bringing me on and then season four and five. That's how it happened? When I, I was pregnant, every season. I
1: was literally having babies, yeah. Oh, so wait, so how does <clears> that, that's amazing. I don't really, I didn't understand how your show structure is. I know yeah. compared to The Biggest Loser, how does it work for so extreme weight loss? Biggest Loser is. Was. Three months, yeah, was. Mm-hmm. And actually still And now so it's
2: come back USA. again, yeah. Um, biggest losers, three months, I believe, or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Very short term. So the way that the trainers would work with the people wasn't a structure that worked for us because it could it was short term. You could do faster weight loss and get the results for us. We have a full year with the person. So, so we would start, Oh my God. Yes. We would start season one, like 2010, say June, 2010 by, I think it was earlier, but by June 2011, that person's year is up. So all of those people were at their finale. Now we had actually started season two halfway through season one. So we overlapped and then season three started here. Then we got to the point where it was like, season three was a full year, season four, and we doubled the participants. So every year we worked with 16 to 20 people because some of them were couples. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then we ended That's up- That's a grind though. It was. Oh, And we would, so as we were finishing say season four in May, we were casting season five, March, April. And so Chris and I had a ton of work there because we would actually, we were so picky about who we worked with. We would spend weeks with these people, like 40 of them to narrow it down to the finalists. We We are trainers, we are not talent. 100%.
1: 100%. Right, right, Well, I mean, they make, they make you talent, right? They, but, yeah. you But that's yeah. the opposite because normally what would happen, yes. well, a lot of times what happens is they find talent, talent yeah. and then you play a trainer on yeah. TV.
2: Yeah, But you were actually the opposite. And that, for like TV was something that was so terrifying and camera and anything where I had to like speak, because I, I can speak to somebody in person and I could t- train them and I could feel them and I could get them to where they needed to go. But the second you put a camera in front of me, I just right. wasn't, i didn't feel like i was made for that right right but it's so natural when they're following you around and it's something they're just doing what you love to do you become good right. at whatever whatever it is that you're doing because
1: you are doing it like you're authentic with them yeah. i guess it was like something that came from like you Yeah. and so did you put together the programs then
2: 100 of them yep chris and i bolted all of the programs and it, it was at first it was a little bit hard because It was the same producers as Biggest Loser. So Mm -hmm. they were used to these faster things. And season one and two, I think we were a little more extreme with the clients. Mm -hmm. And then by season three, actually in the middle of season two, we're like, okay, that doesn't work. Like we can't can't do things that are going to hurt our clients long term. Mm -hmm. We can't do things that are going to betray their trust. Like we need to keep in mind transformation first, Mm -hmm. shoot a show second. Because if we can't maintain that person's trust and actually get them long-term results because we need their trust the whole time, right. we have no show. But if we can have a transformation and we can help people understand the value of being vulnerable and opening up and talking about their challenges and their struggles and if they binge, talk about it on camera. Let us like reenact a moment where you're eating pizza in your car because it happened, right? I mean and I'm, it sure really it happens, created, I'm sure it happens a lot. Yes,
1: It created some really cool moments. I mean, and, that's, and that's real. Yes. That's what, and that's because that's really what happens yeah. in real life. So the thing with Biggest Loser is like, you know, obviously you're sequestered for yeah. a very finite period of time. Yep. But the big criticism uh, that I remember is that people don't maintain their, their weight loss, right? Because yeah. when you do things with that, ex- with that, that extreme, extreme, yeah, then <laughs> no one can work out for 10 hours a day and maintain that.
2: No, you right? can't. Um, and, and so we were different because we didn't have to do it all in three right? months. Right, you had, had you a had to year. year. Yeah. That sounds like
1: a real... that it was awesome. Like a, like a real, like, that sounds like a program that someone can actually abide yes. by.
2: And actually towards the end, so the first season we started out with people that were so, um, I believe James was 600 pounds. So there were some that were really, really big. Mm-hmm. Um, by season four and five, we actually had, we would get smaller every season just to make it more realistic. And that's harder. <laughs> it is, it yeah. is harder, but it was also something where it's like, okay, hopefully we just want, we wanted our, ch- a lot of the criticism of Biggest Loser was coming out where people were gaining the weight back yeah. and we wanted the best chance. But at the end of the day, like one thing I've had to learn to be okay with, Chris and I both, People have free will. You mm-hmm. can lay it out. You can give them the way. You can make it totally sustainable and something that they do. They can do for the rest of their lives. You can give them all of the mental, emotional, soul tips. But if they don't choose it mm-hmm. and they don't want to maintain it, you can't make them. And that's right. what it is hard. It's. I know the media loves to poke holes and like, oh, it was Biggest Loser's Plan or it was this. No. At the end of the day, it's all choice. And yeah. I'm sure there were things done. Um, on Biggest Loser or wherever, where it did suppress their metabolism, but that's also a natural result mm-hmm. of rapid weight loss. Yeah. You know, yeah, and something you can actually kickstart too if you have the right training.
1: And also, if you have more muscle on your body, more yes. muscle you can burn more calories. So, how many how many hours, like day to day, how were you training these people? Was it two hours a day, an hour a day? Um, what were you doing?
2: So we actually did. We we start small with everybody. Okay. So like. I'm not sure if I go up or down with speed. What are you
1: at? But I'm at, I just, sorry, I'm at no, 2.1 for Oh my speed. gosh, I'm going slow because I'm not used to this. <laughs> okay, you can listen, Heidi, you should be going at 10 speed. We're on these treadmills, by the way, for people who don't are listening to I this. I know. Yeah. If
2: I'm breathing heavy, mm-hmm. it's because
1: I'm not it's, used to walking a treadmill. It's not what you talking. think.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's just because she's walking on a treadmill. Um, so we actually do things a little bit different. In fact, a lot of the people on our show, when we would first give them their nutrition plans, they're like, there's no way. Like, I can't eat 2,500 calories and lose weight. Mm -hmm. And we'd be like, just trust us. Like, you're coming from 10,000 calories a day. You can go down to 2,500 or 3,000 or 4,000 and and make it... Because the thing is, the less we can do up front and have them lose weight, the better off we are long-term. Now, that totally defies what they did on Biggest Loser. But you understand as a trainer, it's like you just play one card at a time. You Mm -hmm. sit there, you have this whole hand. Mm -hmm. And for all of our people, we'd be like, hey. You're 500 pounds, you have these amazing V8 engines, these quads that are like metabolic furnaces. Your whole body is a metabolic furnace. You're just eating so much right now that you can't burn the fat, so cool. Keep you eating like this and just move. So let's try moving for 20 minutes a day. And if they're dropping weight, we let them keep going until they stop. Then it's like, okay,
1: now let's drop your
2: calories Mm. by a thousand, or it might be, how many days a week are you binging? Five, seven? Okay, so binge five days instead of seven. Like just, it's literally the smallest baby step. So it's like, hey, all you have to do is every other day, cut out your pizza or every other day, do this. And then it's like, you kickstart them. You have them do one thing. It starts dropping the weight off and they get results. And then once that stops, it's like, okay, now that you've settled into that, let's increase your cardio by
1: 30 minutes or whatever it is. That's amazing. So it sounds to me what you do is you, let them hit a plateau, and then once they hit that plateau, then you tweak and change
2: it. 100%. I am, especially with my eating disorder past, any type of restrictive diet is only going to throw you into a downward spiral. Mm -hmm. It's gonna make you feel like you can't do it. You're gonna quit. Even if you gain the weight or you lose the weight, you're gonna gain it back because it's not sustainable. You need something that works and you only, it's one card at a time. Yeah. It's, It's like playing poker with your body.
1: It is, though. That's what it is. So let's go back to your your eating disorder. Because what's interesting about yours is you kind of did it, you had the opposite, right? Like you didn't, you weren't overweight. You seem like you were underweight because you're very. I can see your bones are very, very small. (laughs) They are small with big, big muscles on top (laughs) of the bones, but besides that, yes, you were saying because as gym, like for when you were a gymnast or whatever else, like it's kind of part of what happens a lot of times.
2: Yeah, I I am a smaller boned person, and it's it's funny because I didn't ever see it's. I had body dysmorphia as bad as I did anorexia, which then turned to bulimia. But the dysmorphia was everything because I was a small person. But I compared myself to my mom, who is a smaller-boned person. Because you only know who you're around. Right, what you know. Right? Yes. And so for me, I always was like, gosh, I'm, I'm an inch and a half taller than her. And I'm 10 pounds heavier. So all I saw was that I was bigger. I didn't understand. My brain wasn't developed enough to understand that, no, you just have a slightly bigger frame. And that's okay. Weight doesn't matter, you know. So for me.
1: How old are you at this point?
2: Um, I started having body image issues. 12. I mean, maybe even younger. Really? Maybe even that 10. young? Yes, because I, I was a gymnast. And I, no. I remember buckling my seatbelt in the car next to a friend of mine who was smaller boned, hadn't yet hit a growth spurt. And I remember cutting off a part of my stomach. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have, in my mind, I hate this phrase, but I remember saying, I'm fat. Like it was just this, and I, I yeah. wasn't. Looking back, I was so tiny, but it was just the way that my brain was unable to perceive the reality of the situation. yeah. And my parents were such fitnessy, amazing people who were like, oh, come to the gym. Let's go work out. Let's do this. Let's do, very trying so hard to just get me to enjoy life the way that they did. But in my mind, I was like, I'm not my mom. Like, I'm not as fit as she is. I'm not this. I felt like in order to get the love that she got from my dad, which was a lot, he doted on her till the day he died. I felt like I needed to be who she was. So it's not their fault, because obviously it was mine, it was my lack of information. It was everything they were doing to try to provide me with the healthiest lifestyle possible. Mm-hmm. I was taking it and letting my insecurities make it something that it wasn't. Wow. And so, yeah, it, that, it was a really So how did, it,
1: how did it manifest at that age? Um,
2: I It didn't really manifest until when I was 16. I was a cheerleader at that point, 16 through, actually 15 through, high school, end of high school, I was a flyer. So I was the one on top.
1: Oh yeah.
2: And my undeveloped brain was like, Oh, it's all about how
1: heavy I am. Where the reality is. if Did you ever do cheer? No, but I just watched the cheer okay. documentary on Netflix oh. and I saw how they fly. These yes. flyers go I was a flyer. Yeah. Yes. That's
2: crazy. And, but in my mind, so I realize now because I have body awareness with age comes body awareness and just knowledge in general. But like, how light you are is how tight you are. Like it doesn't, it literally, the more you can control your body, the lighter and easier you are for a base. But at the time I didn't get that. Right. And so I thought I wouldn't even like, I remember being like, oh my gosh, I'm so thirsty, but it's middle of practice. I don't even want to drink water because I'm going to get heavier. So I would not drink water in practice. My gosh, speaking of which. Yeah, (laughs) I know. Hold on, drink up, mom. (laughs) Mm. Mm. But, um, so I ended up blowing out my ACL. My sophomore year, junior year. And I, um, when I couldn't work out in my mind, I was like, gosh, if I can't work out, I am going to gain weight. I can't eat. Like, I cannot eat. So I stopped eating as much as I could. Got down to, I was like 89 pounds, almost 5'6". Like right now, just for, I'm like 123. So I was like 35 pounds less than I am now. I can't even imagine that. But the... It was hideable a little bit because I have muscly
1: Yeah, Yeah, now, well, like, now you're very muscly.
2: Well, <laughs> but it was my family started noticing and my coach noticed and I ended up blowing out my ACL again the next year. Same thing, got even smaller, sicker. My dad would force, he'd be like, you got to eat, eat a cheeseburger. He'd cry, so I'd eat and then I started learning how to purge because in my mind, I just couldn't, I couldn't conceptualize how food would go in my body and not turn to fat. And I was so scared of any extra fat because I felt
1: like if I don't look like my mom, I'm not lovable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's interesting that your mom was that person. I mean, I guess that does happen, you're right, because your world is very, you're myopic at that age too. Your world is small. Yes. Um, Were you comparing yourself to the other girls who you were cheering with or? You know what's interesting? Not as much.
2: I'm sure I was, but not as much. I, I always, I think we all have one person we crave love from and try and get Mm it. And for me, it was always my dad. And I think that I tried, it's funny because he was so against and trying to fix my eating disorder, but it was like, I I just couldn't get past it because I I was scared. What if I'm, and my dad was so proud of his family. He'd be like, you know, look at you guys, you're all so accomplished. You get straight A's. We have the best family. He was so good and he was successful. And oh, you guys, you go in and you're so polite to people. I'm so proud of you. And in my mind, I'm like, oh my gosh, if I become, like, I'm the one daughter. I, he has three sons and one daughter. And if I'm out of shape, what does that mean about me and what I say about our family and who he is? And so there was just so much family pride to the point where it kind of paralyzed me. Right. Um, and it wasn't until I had, I got I married and pregnant with my first baby that I actually stopped. I was still, my husband had no idea, but I was still bulimic. How did, and, you, how did you hide it? Um, it wasn't all day every day. It was for a period of time before I started dating him. I mean, it, it consumed. It was a full on, like a drug addiction. It consumed. I went from a straight A student in high school to ASU failing, could not keep my grades up because I was so consumed by, oh my gosh, I ate something, I need to throw it up. Oh, I, and I, it was this constant
1: cycle, like restrict, binge, restrict. Binge, just over and over, day after day after day. So what kind? So like, were you exercising? Were you also an exercise bulimic? Like, um, yes and no. Or fanatic, I guess.
2: Um, I didn't. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I never exercised to the point of, I I, I threw up more than I exercised the calories off.
1: Right. So, but did you also exercise though? I did, but not, not to the for point, hours. For I remember hours.
2: seeing girls and being like, yeah I'll stick with the toilet." Like, <laughs> I, know, I, I know.
1: I, I see these it girls now. Like Doesn't it looks It looks like the, the, <laughs> the purging is much easier, right? I thought it was. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like it. You know, I mean, I, listen. I, I would always be like, "I wish." I, sometimes when I was young, it's just a terrible thing to say, but when I felt like I was like, I, I, I binge all the time. I'm like, yeah. I wish I had the ability to do it. Do but you know I how can't? many
2: people I've heard that from? But from me like it, it died I couldn't figure it out yeah it's a good good thing it was something I hid so I, I stopped throwing up when I had babies because I just but while you were pregnant you were doing it no I was not not oh, when I was okay. pregnant or nursing because when I'm nursing I realized I'm like oh my gosh I can eat all this food and burn it off right you can burn it off. after yeah. I was nursing between Maddox and Marley it started again and then I got pregnant it's easy not to when you're pregnant because right. you're like, okay, I'm building a baby. What do I, what, what do I want it to be made of? And it's um,
1: also kind of more acceptable in your brain to be, like, yeah. to be bigger, right? And
2: so. the way I would hide it, I don't know that it was a daily thing at that point when I was married because you get busy. Busy for me keeps me out of trouble. Mm-hmm. But it was for, something for where... For everybody, by the yeah, way. Yeah, keeps
1: people out of trouble. It does, but it yeah.
2: was late at night. If I would eat, like if I would sit and watch a show and I would start eating crackers mm-hmm. or something, then I'd be like, gosh, I ate one, one too many, my brain. And then I'd be like,
1: I might as well eat. Like it just, or blind binging, you That's know? That's what I do too. Uh, but, but by the way, yes. I think I, I still do that. Or not the binging yeah. part, but I'm like... If I have I'm like, oh, I'll have a few french fries, yeah. and I'm like, well, I already had too many. All I right. might as well. might have I as ice well. cream. Exactly. Yeah. Or like, I'll order like three more orders of French yes. fries. Yes. Yeah. It's a crazy I psychological mind. I know. And then you really feel bad. I know, you do.
2: And that that kept me in that horrible cycle. And it wasn't until and it did get better after Marley, a little bit better. And for me, it wasn't until my divorce when it started happening again, which was, but I was keeping my, I knew by then okay, if I keep myself busy, I'm going to be fine. And even though I wasn't binging and purging as much, the anorexia and the body dysmorphia was still there. Like I remember I would go till 5 p.m. and have like a half a sandwich. And then I'd like barely eat anything at night because in my mind, I just didn't think I'd be able to maintain the physique that
1: I had. How are you able to, I mean, I say, I ask this to people all the time yeah. who are anorexic or are, how do they have the ability to have that mental strength, it takes mental fortitude and strength. It does. It discipline that off the charts. To it not does. Use. It does. And I have that. Obviously. But then I, also
2: for me. So when I learned, when I taught myself how to throw up, I actually became something I never was before. And that was a food addict. And so that, and that was mm-hmm. bad. So like that, I mean, fast forward to when I worked on the show, I had never told Chris I had an eating disorder. And I felt like I had gone through it because I'd gone to therapy um, I wasn't binging and purging because I was so busy with Chris. Like, no, I, I don't even think I ever have since I'd been married to Chris or with Chris. He also taught me, Chris taught me how to eat more. Like I would always be like, I wanna grow a butt, I wanna grow, like I had muscle groups I couldn't grow. And he'd be like, you can keep complaining or you can listen to me. Like you have to eat, you have to eat more. So he was like, he put me on a plan and he's like, try it out. It was like 2000 calories. He's like, if it doesn't work, give it two weeks and then go back to what wasn't working before. Right,
1: right. And right. I'm like,
2: Oh, I love that. Yeah. Like, I can try it. So it took me two or three times like trying and sticking to it before I'm like, Oh my gosh, like he's right. And that changed my way of thinking, knowing that food wasn't the enemy and knowing that I could eat things that like I had deprived myself of before was game changing for me. Um, and,
1: then and it didn't it, screw up your metabolism at all. Not it's at all. I,
2: you think that, but what happens is the longer you go eating more food, the more regulated your metabolism gets to the foods that you are eating. Right, right, right. So I do think I had to suppress metabolism, but I think the more my body, and I might've felt a little bit fluffy for a while, and it, I did, I remember, because it was like a week and a half, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm gaining, I'm gaining. And then like at the two week mark, you just start evening out. So it's that consistency that really like helped change my body. Um, but then it wasn't until I started competing that like I truly feel like my body dysmorphia was, I wouldn't say gone away, because I think we all have some sort of body dysmorphia, um, but there was more of an acceptance there because then I had my own coach who was like, listen, in order to be competitive on stage, you're too small, like you need to eat. I know you're eating at the time it was like 1800 calories. And he was like, no more running, no cardio of any kind. I need you to eat a lot of food. And so he gave me my macros, scared the crap out of me, like trying to eat that much. But it literally like I knew I had to check in with him every single week or I was not going to follow the plan. Like I needed to go in there and be able to say, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm not on track and have them look at me and say, no, you're on track. Like you're supposed to gain weight. So knowing that gaining weight was a part of my plan completely shifted my mind. And it's the whole like ignorance is bliss, but knowledge is power. Like it was nice to like not know some of the things that I knew, but it's so much better now for me. Like I know if I start feeling softer, I need more carbs. If I start feeling too- I wish I had that problem. I feel super soft now. <laughs> well, and the thing is, you might need more carbs and less fat and actually lift heavier weights or something. So I understand my body. Right. So for me, like even right after my surgery, it was a big deal for me not to fall into any disordered eating because I actually knew, okay, my body is what it is right now. I know I have the power to make it what I want later. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to love it through this. I'm going to care for my knee and not do anything stupid. I'm going to eat enough now so my metabolism doesn't suffer. That way, when I'm ready,
1: I can start. And the rest right. was great for me. Well, you also, though, are de- like, you are, well, what happens to people yeah. who don't, who aren't naturally, like you are naturally small, naturally mm-hmm. lean, right? Mm-hmm. You're like what we call like a, like a, not a mesomorph, an, but a, a, an, an, an ectomorph, ectomezo. an ectomorph. I'm kind of a blend. I, I see you like a, maybe a blend to some, but to yeah. me, you look like an ectomorph only <laughs> because you're so lean yeah. naturally and small. So, like my friends who are like that, they can lift two pounds and they look ripped, <laughs> you know, and they look super fit. Yeah. Me, I gotta like be in the gym doing this, doing that. Like, I think genetics does play a piece in it though. They do. They say genetics loads the gun. Again, I heard and lifestyle this. Lifestyle pulls the trigger. Lifestyle pulls the and trigger. It,
2: it does. And I think it's that's part of understanding. Like, I know for me, A high carb diet is the best thing for me. High carb, low fat. And if I want to increase my metabolism, I have to go high carb, high fat, and really load my body so that when I start lowering my fats, I'm like a burning machine. But, like, another body type, you might
1: be a high-fat, low-carb person. I don't know. I think I'm I, I saying to you before we started the podcast, like, the last two, three months, I've been off my my yeah. my, my food um, what I normally would eat. And I've been traveling a lot. And I've been exercising. Good. like, I, I, I always do. Yeah. Like that, to me, is a consistent part yes. of my morning routine. Yeah. However... This is why I think what you eat is ninety-five percent of it. Yeah, because it is it, because I still gained. I told you like eight pounds yep. in like you know a cumulative in the last two months. Yeah, just based on me not following a, a proper diet yeah. and still working out like a fiend. That yeah, and, it is. And I've been eating carbs, and this is what, this is the result. You know <laughs> what I mean? so, but you know what I mean. I'm like a lot of carbs. Yes, but I've been doing the over. I've been binging it. Like mean, like five muffins because one muffin's not enough. I know for the minutes. muffins are so damn good. Right. I know. So I think that like no people having to know what they are, but it's scary because I think yeah. that God, you're saying I, you need to eat more carbs to get lean is not something that most people hear.
2: No, so how it's do not. Figure if that you, out. Well, so if you, in, for example in our app. I would say nine out of 10 people that enter their age, height, weight, gender goals, um, get the calories back, and they come back and they say, this is way too high. There's no way, no way I'm gonna lose weight and do this. What's the app called? Uh, Transform with Chris
1: and Heidi. Transform with Chris and Heidi.
2: (laughs) But when they do, and we'll say, okay, trust us, do this for a month, let the app guide you, because the app has like smart technology where if you're plateauing, it tweaks Mm. the plan for you. Not." Every single person that goes on it and trusts the process is so surprised. Like if you were to go to our boards, people are like, I can't believe I'm eating this much food and losing weight, but it takes consistency and actually trusting the process. You have to, you can't just try something for two weeks and think, oh my gosh, it's not working. You have to stick to the plan. And sometimes our bodies do need a little bit of a reset with more food and then it'll start evening out. And then when you plateau, okay, we'll change one more thing. Oh, plateau. One more thing. So a lot of people are under eating because we're so programmed to think that the deprivation diets and the low calorie diets yes. are what are going to help us lose weight because we want that instant gratification. That's Absolutely. Not what happened. That's not the reality of it.
1: More from our guest, but first a few words from our sponsors. So are you looking for the perfect gift for your mom or another loved one? I know how difficult it is for me to always try to find the perfect Mother's Day gift. And that's why I'm so happy I found Skylight Frame. My mom lives really far away in Canada still. And me being in LA with my children, she never gets to see them as often as she wants. So this gift is a godsend. It's a touchscreen photo frame. And you can email photos to her and they appear in seconds. It's amazing. And my mom and me, actually, for that matter, are not very tech savvy. And it really makes it so simple for anyone to figure out and use. It's a really great gift if you want to feel close or if you miss your loved ones. It really has made my mom just so happy. And now it's a special holiday offer. You can get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash HH and enter code HH. That's right. To get $10 off your purchase of a skylight frame, just go to skylightframe.com slash HH and enter code HH. That's skylightframe.com slash HH. So what do you think about intermittent fasting and ketogenic diets and all these other types of fads that come and go? I think it's actually
2: so those two, I think, are great for the right person. Um, I wouldn't do well on a keto diet because because I know how my body does on carbs. My mom, on the other hand, who is a little more mesomorph than me, um, I'm, I'm a blend between my mom and my dad, obviously. My dad's a lot longer and leaner. Um, my mom does really, really well on keto. And for her, I think hormones play a part. Yeah, She's older and I know a lot of her friends that are doing keto are really seeing a lot of success and it's working for them, but it takes playing around with things. But when I say playing around, I don't mean play around, like I said, for a week and decide it's not for you. Mm-hmm. You have to commit to like a 12 week plan yeah. and see the whole thing through no matter what. Because at the end of the day, even if you don't lose weight, you're getting used to structured eating yeah. and you're seeing what works for you. So I do like keto for a lot of people. We're actually incorporating keto into our app. We do carb cycling. We'll have keto in there.
1: Um, so when do you, when do you do carb cycling? Like when do you think carb cycling is a good thing to do for who and for when?
2: It's we carb cycled with every person on our show. Every single person carb really? cycled.
1: Yeah. Okay. So tell people what carb cycling um, is. It's because yeah. some people are like, hmm, what's
2: carbs cycling? Yeah. So carb cycling is alternating high carb days and low carb days, which, As you know, we're so programmed to Mm -hmm. be terrified of carbohydrates. And so in my dream world, most people would be higher carb because that's what works for me. And a lot of our people do that and lose a lot of weight. But by saying, hey, you can have carbs today, we're gonna cut them out tomorrow and when we cut out the carbs, we're gonna have fat. Okay, you can have carbs tomorrow, We're gonna cut them out the next day and we're gonna add fat in place of the carbs. So it's really simple. It's like five meals a day, we do a block of protein, a block of carbs, a block of veggies. A block of protein, carbs, veggies. And then the last meal of the day, we cut out the carbs on a high-carb day, and then we flip it. So the next day, it'll be protein, fat, and veggies. Protein, fat, veggies. Right, no carbs. For basically. every single no. Yeah.
1: So you cycle. Like one day you're able to have carbs, yes. one day you're not, basically. And there are
2: different cycles right. for different goals. So if your goal is to lose fat fast, we would do a turbo cycle, which has more low-carb days per high-carb right. days. Um, If your goal is like we have a fit cycle where it's going to be five high-carb days to two low-carb days um, and everyone on our show did that because we had them exercising, we wouldn't let them do very many low-carb days until they got closer to their finale when their bodies may have needed another card. Then we go high, low, high, low, high, low, or high, low, low, high, low, low. But you can play around with it. And then when you plateau, you just bump it up and you do all high carb days for like a week or two.
1: But when you're saying carbs, you're talking, you're not talking, you're talking more like sweet potatoes, like veggies, you're you're counting fruit and veggies as your carbs, yeah? We
2: are, so veggies that are cruciferous and green, they're free foods for us on our plan. But if it's like a sweet potato Mm -hmm. or tomatoes, corn, carrots, those, because they Mm -hmm. have sugars, you would want to do it appropriately in your high carb content. Right. Um, But yeah, for the most part, that I would consider and on our app, Marshmallow Dream Bars. Right, you you in the way here. Yes, yes. (laughs) That is a high carb for me. That is a a carb source. Now, is it the healthiest? No, but for me, I know I need to eat something that makes me feel like I'm indulging every day or I'm going to end up binging. And I think most people are like that. And if every day doesn't work for you or if it puts a slippery slope, then you would say, okay, every other day, add in a food that you love, or once a week, add in a food that you love. But it's really important to have a meal plan customized to you for what your needs are and what's going to help you stick to your plan. So,
1: okay, so how about intermittent fasting?
2: Yes. Intermittent fasting, same thing. Some people do really well on it. I, I don't intermittent fast. And the reason that I don't is I feel like if I don't start first thing in the morning, I start having mental thoughts of deprivation which kicked me into my old patterns Mm -hmm. but some people do better if they know they have a window and and that window there's 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 a beginning which is late but there's also an end Mm -hmm. and just some kind of structure for them is a massive deal and it gives them a sense of willpower too if they're like hey my window doesn't open till 2 p.m. I'm gonna go two to eight or two to ten, whatever it is. And it helps a lot of people that have weird schedules with work as well. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not against any of it.
1: At, but you're old school though. You eat your bread. I mean, like I do. You're old school, you have Bark Wahl. It like, works for me. It wor- but yeah. listen, it works. If it ain't broke, don't fix if, it. If that's yes. my motto. I mean, you eat your lunch, you eat your your, yeah. your breakfast, you eat your dinner, do you have your snacks in the middle? You have your I do five meals a day. You do five yep. meals, you said. Yep. And so when you work out, are you doing strictly Weights. Right now
2: I'm doing strictly weights. So I've done mostly weights for the past five years as I've tried to change my body type and going from um, more of a runner build, like a muscly runner build to a A a competitive. Yeah. Yeah. And so I I only run if my coach has me right before I go on stage, meaning like the week before. He might say, hey, three days this week, run just to flush out water, but never to really burn fat.
1: See, what I like what you just said, I think this is so important, is that... Even coaches have yes. coaches because, and I believe the best coaches have coaches because they're teachable. Absolutely, and I think also, you, even people who are fitness professionals yep. or in this space, like you get stuck in your own rut because it's all it's yes. what you do for other people. It's like a it's like a hamster wheel. Yes. You kind of can you can forget, and you need to you need to kind of like basically spike it up and use variety yes. and get coached properly. Like, and so. I love that you said that because it's not, people should, no matter how fit or, or how much knowledge you think you have, sometimes to really get to the results or the goal that you want, you need to find somebody to help be accountable to. It's true. And,
2: and for me, I didn't realize how much I was missing out on as a trainer Mm -hmm until i experienced my own body transformation mm-hmm. because my life was all about everybody else like it was about all 15 20 people every single year it was about chris it was about my kids it was about it was never about me and it, while there was so much guilt um turning and and putting myself through a transformation or having help put me through it mm-hmm. changed both me and chris because we both started competing changed the way that we made plans for other people, how patient we were with their body, what we knew was capable with their body. It was the most eye-opening, amazing thing for me. So he also does uh, these competitions? So, okay, this little story behind it, yeah. we actually had season five of our show. We had two people at the end of the year That stood up because all season long, like for somebody, we will have them do milestones every three months. We'll be like, okay, let's go climb this mountain, let's run a half marathon, let's do this. So we were constantly doing these things with our people for camera and for their transformation. And so they stood up on the. um, It was uh, Josh and Kelly. They stood up on stage at the end. They're like, okay, Chris and Heidi, we love you. You have taught us so much about ourselves by forcing us to do these things that make us grow and you know, running these, they, I think they had done, I don't remember what their challenge was, but basically like, Hey, we've done these amazing challenges. We want to challenge you guys. And they're like, we think you guys need to feel the same, um, sense of accomplishment that comes from competing for you. We want to do a bodybuilding competition and we want you to do it with us. And so I'm like, what the, I had no idea. There's like bikini figure physique. I didn't even know there were like categories but we both said yes. We're like, okay, whatever, we'll do it. We're not, we won't back out of anything. Right,
1: wow. Good and then,
2: yeah, it ended up being something where Chris, I actually wasn't convinced I was gonna do it, but we went on um, some show, like national news new show and Chris was like, oh, we have an announcement. We're gonna be doing a bodybuilding show. And I'm like, okay, it looks like we're like, gonna really? do it. i yeah. really, I know. That's so how I you found out? Yes. So I had to do it. Um, Chris. Went Friday night. I went Saturday. He had. I we really trained for. It. I trained, I think, harder than he did. Um, he swept it. Like won his division. Won the older division. Won oh, wow. overall. Like came home with all these swords and trophies. Everyone was like, "Oh, Heidi, you're gonna kill it too. You're gonna do great." I bombed. I had no because it's all about stage confidence and presence and right. like knowing your angles and. It's not even about who has the better frame or build, even though I knew I needed to change a lot. It was the most devastating thing as an adult I had ever experienced. And so for me, I was like, hell no, like I am not stopping here. So I- Continued. Yeah, I called up my coach and I'm like, okay, how do I get my pro card? I am not stopping until I become a pro. So it took me two and a half years to get my pro card and now I compete as a pro. Wow. So, so, oh, okay. So that's, so basically, and now I love it and I'm hooked cause I need a goal for me. So what
1: did you win? What, what do you, what do you have now?
2: Um, so I, you have to win or place in mm-hmm. like a so local yeah. show. So I got second. Well, I mean, it took a while. So I finally got second in a local show, went to the national level, bombed at nationals so many times, three or four, three times. I, I had about two years where I gave everything, but it was almost too much in my brain. When I finally let loose and I'm like, gosh, I just need to have fun with this. The next year, I literally, it was like, I won and then I won overall. And then I'd win the show and I won overall. And then I, it's like, sometimes we have to let go on our minds a little bit and have fun and not be so serious. Yeah. Um, It's true. Whenever you hold on so tightly. I was rigid on stage. It wasn't until I didn't care about the result. I cared more about... The work, yeah. and I lo- I started Experience. loving the work. And I started loving, I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna go on stage and have fun. Like why, and I think I was so up in my head like telling myself I can't win, I can't win. All these girls, I I wasn't winning. But when I was like, it's not about winning, it's about the fact that I set a goal and I'm here. And I, I, I'm at my personal best now. Now, I take that and I need to present it on stage. That's when I actually started winning. Mm
1: -hmm. Wow. So then the
2: next year, I started doing a couple pro shows. I won one and placed top five in another. And then I took last year off because of my knee. And this year, I actually. to say I actually want to try to go to Olympia I just have to win one show what yes I know
1: okay you know I know that first of all that blows my mind because for more than anything because a lot of girls that I've met Who are doing a lot of competitions? Yeah. Also, it's a it's a trigger for anorexia, bulimia, and food disorders because right because what happens is once you get off the stage and you go back to life, it's really hard because you it's you come back you end up not looking at yourself. Yeah. yeah. So I'm surprised that you put yourself in that situation where that can be a trigger, maybe. Well,
2: for me, it's like I feel like because I had mentioned I might do a show in a month. I haven't counted my macros in a year and a half. And the reason why I spent so long counting and knowing how much I needed to eat, that I know now at night, if I don't feel like I've had enough, I'll get, I I need to do peanut butter and tons of banana or something like that. So for me, it's different in that I feel like I've actually intuitively gotten myself to a point where I can maintain where I am. Right. um, And not deprive. And it's, and like my binge-like behaviors, any... Feeling of wanting to overeat, they're gone because I eat so much consistently.
1: Yeah. Um, you, where retra- think, you rewired your brain. It's like way.
2: not here and it's not here anymore. It's literally here. And so I feel like I can maintain this. Like I, if I want a sugar cookie, I'm going to eat it. Like I don't usually do gluten, but I'm going to do it. Or if I see like a piece of cake that is gluten free, I'm going to eat it. And I just know in my mind I can offset it by doing more protein or Lower fat carbs later on in the day. So
1: I, I, I spent five years kind of training my body. So when you say high, you eat a high carb diet. You're not eating donuts all day, right? No. So what no. what are you eating? Give me a day in the life yes. of Heidi. So
2: I start every day mm-hmm. with a protein shake and a marshmallow dream bar. Every, every day. Every day. Every day. What kind of what kind of protein shake? Um, I do ours. We have the best. I'll have to see. So <laughs> yes so, so good. Yes, so good. What is it though? Um, is it whey
1: protein or it's is whey
2: protein? Okay. And actually, ours are the the ones that I drink. So we have whey protein, but I drink the low carb meal replacement. So it's just there's a little more fat in it, a tiny bit of carbs because I just know I need the calories. Um, So I'll do that plus a marshmallow dream bar. Three hours later, I'll do.
1: But what's in it? You don't and, put any like eight,
2: you just nope, like water. No. I the t- the flavor. Do you, can you do whey or no? Yeah, I can. And I know you, you the have a new flavor. So you told good. me.
1: Well, I saw in your store, you're Ugh. like, what's
2: oh, the best thing in the world? The salted caramel. Is that the one? Oh, and the mint cookie. They, it, you're going to die. You really will die. Okay. I'm going to send it to you. Um, Don't forget. No, I will not. You you will love them. Okay. So I'll do that in the morning just with water and ice. Chris loves to mix his with almond milk. we flavored them so that you can just put water in it and they taste amazing. So three hours later, I'll do like white rice. I don't do brown. Why? Um... I, it gets to my muscles faster it's a faster digestion so it's mm. more of a bodybuilding thing um i just i like it to absorb and i'll also do white potatoes and sweet potatoes so i don't just stick with sweet potatoes sweet potatoes have more fiber but potatoes white potatoes
1: are resistant m- yeah,
2: yeah yeah and they're say one of the most satiating foods
1: out there so yeah. it's i love I, 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 they're I so good agree. that's my big weakness though i <sighs> love potatoes but do you balance it with chicken um uh, sometimes when i eat when i love the potatoes so much i get so like gung-ho i'll have like ten, six potatoes okay
2: so if you do your protein first
1: <laughs> yes I, and yeah. a
2: glass of water that's my thing and yeah. then with the potatoes i'm like ah uh, i didn't like them as much as i would have if i hadn't drank the water and ate the protein first so that's yeah. a big thing for me okay i do protein first
1: protein first with everything protein first. okay and, then, and you- then
2: if i do a salad i'll usually go I'll make sure there's beans or rice or I eat like um, a banana on the side. I don't steer away from fruits where a lot of people do. Yeah, no, I don't either. Yeah, yeah. I do a ton of fruit. Um, and then I might do another, like if I a quest bar or quest chips and like um, another marshmallow dream bar or potatoes, I do tons of potatoes, rice and like a marshmallow dream bar. Those are my Those are the
1: marshmallow dream bar. You just like them that much? They're easy. Yeah, And,
2: like, I, as a mom, you're
1: driving around so much. Do You drive a lot in Arizona. In L.A., oh. you're in the car all the time. Oh, yeah.
2: Four kids, and oh, they're gosh. all in dance and MMA and piano and everything in the world. So, yeah, it's
1: always in the car from one to the next. Okay, how do you fi- hey, so how do you find the time? Yeah. Because I'm having a real struggle having yeah. two kids um, and trying to work, trying to do a podcast, trying to do all these other, oh, like, ancillary businesses. It's hard. I know. And like you said, you're in the car. I mean, I do have a nanny who helps me, but yeah. I mean, the truth is, if you want to be an active participant in your I kid's know, life, you have to be involved and you have to be present. I know. And it's really hard. It's and
2: hard. It's, I, how, what are the ages of Four your kids? Four and seven now. Yeah. So for me, it's a little it's bit easier. You're older, right? Like Older. There's an older parent a younger. So it's almost, mm-hmm. they have each other. Yeah. And then I also am lucky because they both have different dads. Who are oh, like right. both sets. That's what all I right, do. All right, guys, wrong. that's what you need to do. Yes.
1: I should have had one kid with my first husband, okay, like you, and then one yes. kid with my second it husband. It does
2: make it easier I you in a way. He Why didn't did I, I meet you before? It. You should have told me that
1: like six years ago, seven
2: I, years I, ago. I know a lot of people with their exes are like, oh, it's so bad. We have It's awesome for us. Like, I mean, we all have differences of opinions, right, but right. at the same time, it's they both want to be very active in their kids' lives. So I have double the help when it comes to men. Oh, and dads. you're so lucky. And then they both love the other kids like an uncle. So Chris loves Maddox and Marley like an uncle or his own kid. Derek loves Cash and Ruby the same. So, I, I, am, I am lucky. It's it's not been easy. It's Yeah. But I, I am you lucky. D- how
1: do you do it, though? Like, are you, do you have, like, a routine or a structure that you kind of, like, in the morning? Like, what do you do in the morning?
2: So, in the morning, Chris and I split. Because we actually... My, our kids go to three different schools. Mm. So, um... Because we have do elementary, you help so also or no, we do have help, not okay. In mornings. Okay. Um, So we and and our help is only available for like three hour chunks. So we go three hours, three hour. Mm-hmm. It's these net na- because nanny turnover it's hard, you know.
1: Yeah, that's a, I that, know. that could be, That's more than a podcast. That's an entire <sighs> series. It is. Yeah. That's a a hire a nanny that's going to quit pretty soon. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yes, just I'm telling you, that's literally a series. <gasps> that's not even one podcast. <sighs> that's the that's the bane of my existence. I know.
2: I we're going through it right oh, now.
1: Me too. It's a baby myself. I'm of my always existence. going
2: through it. Yeah.
1: And people say, and I think, <sighs> is it just me? No. And then like, I'm like, when no. I talk to people and they're like, I have no idea. It is, is this, not. It fucks up so I many know. things you don't know. I know, I know. Okay, I so yeah, <sighs> we'll come back on that one. Okay. Um Yeah, so in
2: the morning, I, Chris and I will wake up and we'll say, okay, or the night before, Kate, okay, are you gonna take the littles or the bigs? And so if I take the littles, I know I wake up at 6.30 with them and I get them to school by 7.30. Big, when, you wake,
1: when you go with the bigs, what time do you wake up?
2: Um, seven.
1: Okay. So have not that hour. much. Okay. Yeah.
2: Seven, maybe 7.30 because Chris and I, depending on how late we go to bed, because we
1: are late to bed. Okay. Um, so 6.30 is usually...
2: 6.30. Okay. And then the little ones have to be in the car by 7.15 mm-hmm. and then they go to school and then the big ones will either, we alternate carpool with our next door neighbor. So they'll go at 7.45 or... The middle one goes at 745. The big kid is 30 minutes away. So we take him to a different school because oh, wow. it's a better school for him. His cousin's there. Then Chris will take him. And then we'll swap. So we'll kind of be like, the next morning, Chris might take the littles. I'll take the bigs. And right. then after school, we it's all over the place. Oh. And we have to have help driving because no, it's, it's, it's just... A dri- you need, here, you need an drivers, you it
1: is. Yeah. 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 Uh, so driver. So you do. Ha- so it's hard for you. Oh, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah, hard for me? And... I never am going to feel like I'm doing enough. Yeah. Not even close. That's,
1: That's the yeah, thing. I feel like I'm doing everything kind of half-assed, yeah. haphazardly because, yeah. you know, you have to spread your time and spread your... It's just very... You spread your life. Yeah, you spread your time. You spread everything. And I then know. you feel guilty if you're... Uh, I feel guilty that I'm not there with my kids if I'm working too much. I and if I'm, if I'm with my kids, I'm like, shit, I have to do this and this uh, and that. See, and I've had to, like,
2: accept... Because there's going to be pros and cons of both ways. Right. I've had to, like... Ignore the noise, because there's a lot of noise. A lot of people telling me what I should be doing, right. but nobody's there but me, you know? And so I've, I've had to be like, what makes me a better mom? When me personally, when I'm home too much and I'm not working, I don't feel fulfilled as a woman yeah, yeah, and as a human, you know. I need that. And I'm a meaner mom, I'm less patient, I'm irritable. Whereas when I'm doing things and I'm succeeding and I'm feeling good about myself, my time with them is all in. Like, I love being with them. I'm happier. They get to see me being accomplished. They get to be a part of it. They come on my work trips with me. They, they're happier. They learn from what's working and what's not working yeah. with me,
1: you know? And also when you're productive and you're doing yeah. something that matters and meaningful to you, yeah. I totally agree with that. You are way more, you're better, you're more present and better as a mom yeah. or, or a parent. Because I, I, when I'm, when I have too much time or when I'm just at home, it's, Not a good thing. Like you were saying earlier, right? Like I get in trouble when I have too much too much time on my hands. Yeah, I have to keep myself busy. Uh, Same
2: when I'm like Chris and I alternate between Utah because that's where our business is. Oh, Um, and when I'm up there alone, it's like I. I can't be alone with my, I can, and I need to be alone. That's what I realized about this year, 2020. I'm like, yeah, I need to learn to be alone with my thoughts and not let it take me down. Like it has in the mm-hmm. past. Cause it is scary. Like yeah. I need to be able to be in my head and process my emotions without turning to food. Like I used to in the past right. or turning to something that's going to numb it and just make my way through the emotion, not around. Yeah. But that's when like my feelings of guilt as a mom, you know, come
1: in and, People don't get it. If you no. don't have kids and you're not no. a mom, because guys don't feel the same thing, no, right? They like don't. they don't get the same, they don't get that gut-wrenching no. feeling that women do. No. And, and then like for women who don't have kids, they don't, like, I always think to myself, if I didn't have kids, the amount of stuff that I would be, get done, that's, the, uh, how much more successful I would be, it would be like- That's thing. You yeah, do too? I'm, and then I'm like, I can't
2: believe how selfish I was I before. And not to say people are selfish that don't have kids, but, like now knowing how selfless I have to be, oh, yes. it's like, oh my gosh, like, what did I do with, why wasn't I something bigger and better when I was single? Absolutely. <laughs> what I could have accomplished. I, have, I, I should have
1: spent my time doing this. Like the things that like, you have to be so much more efficient. Yes. Like I need to get more shit done I in know. the day than some people are getting done in like a month. I know. And yes. Like, if I was, if I had that mentality, if what I knew now, I you knew I, that I, exactly right. But you wouldn't, you need the kids. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. A hundred percent. So what's that one thing I know because I'm like I gotta wrap you up because of my kids see there you go. I gotta go I, I gotta go get my kids and I have another podcast. Whoa. Sorry. Um, no it's I, I love you I can have you on I love for like you five, too. I can have you on for like five hours but you said one thing you want if you implement my one extra rep tactic what is Oh,
2: that? yeah. So I am a big proponent of every single thing I do, not just in the gym, but in real life. In real life. I always, always do one extra rep. Not not an, on every movement. But for example, I was telling you, I was training with Damien and Louis. Yes. They, if they say three more, I literally, in my mind, I'm like, hell no, I'm doing four. Yes. So I li- I. And I did that when I was running my marathon or my half marathons. I'd be like, okay, it says three more miles. I'm going to run like it's four. And something about it for me, if I set my goal one extra yeah. rep, it makes rushing through the finish line so much easier. It makes getting through those last three reps so much easier. It makes me feel like a champ. If I know, okay, I'm going to do 20 walking lunges. And then I'm like, wait, the wall's only five feet away. I'm going to keep going. I, can I just." It. And it, I'm not kidding you, that has retrained my brain in every aspect of my life. Like if I know I'm reading a book at night and it's like, okay, wait, I can do one more page. Like, why would I stop now? Just, it helps me go above and beyond in every single area of my life. It's the under-promise, over-deliver.
1: Yeah, I under. I wanna it. say it's under-promising yep. and over, yep. to, your, to yourself. To
2: my, the most important person in the world. Exactly, the most
1: important person in the world. Yeah. I mean, it, to me, it's very much like, I kind of like a. It's an OCD. That's like an yes, OCD thing. Is. That that I I kind <laughs> of do. I don't call it one extra rep. Yeah. But I. But it works. It does. It does. Yeah. Because then you 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 like start to like rewire. Like you said he, your brain to actually push yourself a above and beyond. just a little bit more. Totally. And everybody can yes. implement that. Like It's
2: so easy. Like how hard is it to do one more rep? Like you okay, know? give me another thing
1: that you would do one one more quote unquote rep. Um. With.
2: So like if I am. Uh, I mean, I I always think about it with my kids. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, I just have to take, I just, I need to play one game with Ruby and Cash or read a book to them, or I'm only going to read five five pages. I try and do a little bit more. That way it's whatever to me, I know this sounds bad, but whatever feels a little bit painful, like it's like, oh my gosh, I have to spend time doing this. I will push myself a little bit harder yeah. so that I know yep. I'm capable of anything. So then when I'm in a situation where something feels hard, I never get scared by the hard factor anymore.
1: Right. Like I actually, trick.
2: yeah, I'm excited by it.
1: I love that. I love that you call it one extra rep. I just call it OCD. <laughs> there we go, and, uh, and like just being like a little bit kooky, but it works for me. I love it. Uh, okay, so Heidi, where do people find you? Because I, I mean, it's been like God knows how long, um, and I'm sorry I've kept you on yeah. the treadmill for like over an I hour. Love it. This is
2: I burned how many calories? Okay, exactly. I don't know. Press a
1: white button the on white this wait Yeah. Well, I did 215, so what oh, you Oh, you're
2: about 184. I had to tone it down because I'm not used to talking. I know. <laughs>
1: well, listen, I'm on 2.1 speed.
2: I'm on 1.6. Okay. I, I was <laughs> like...
1: Well, next time you're going to have a few more extra <laughs> reps over there. Where would people find you and hear all about your app and all your programs? Yeah, so
2: uh, on social media, I'm Real Heidi Powell on all platforms. My website is HeidiPowell.net. And you can find everything there that you need. I love it. Yeah. Thank you
0: so much for coming of course. course,
2: Thank you. Bye.
0: Habits and hustle. Time to get it rolling. Stay up on the grind. Don't stop. Keep it going. Habits and hustle from nothing in the something. All out. Hosted by Jennifer Cohen. Visionaries. Tune in. You can get to know them. Be inspired. This is your moment. Excuses. We ain't having that. The Habits and Hustle podcast. Powered by Habit Nest.